Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, you live to play in these kind of games. Uh, you dream about these kind of games. So you don't want to make it bigger than it is. Uh, but you know, it's it's just not. It's just you know, the reality is it's not just another game. Yeah, what, what was the feeling leaving that locker room last January against those guys? No, I mean it's obvious. I mean, we're so far past that to be honest with you. But that's obvious. I mean, you just want to piss me off going into this week, and I appreciate that. I do actually. I do. I really didn't know that Dak was that sensitive. I mean, it was just a week and a half ago that Dak was blaming all of us in the media who propped up the Cowboys for his team losing to the Cardinals because we crowned them, to borrow a line from the late Dennis Green, we crowned them and they took the crown and they believed that they were the Kings and they stepped on a rake in Arizona. So now he's a little salty. Because somebody mentioned a historical fact, reminded me of the time that I dared to ask Jim Harbaugh about the AFC championship game when he was with the Colts and they almost beat the Steelers because I had a real question attached to it. I wasn't just being an ass, unlike usual. And he said, thanks for bringing that up. So I like the fire. I like when we see something other than the cookie cutter, Stepford Patriot programmed responses. I like to see a little insight into the human because they want us to think they're not but they are they're just like us other than the fact that they have supernatural physical abilities and a level of courage that allows them to go out there and have their bodies bashed around but they're still human and that's a reflection of humanity they get a little pissy at times so i kind of like that as someone who gets a little pissy at times i like that miles and good morning at times, that's <laughs> you, you use that, you know, we got at times for a little pissy and then ass sometimes like, man, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're downplaying a couple of things there. But yeah, good morning, Mike. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for that. Thanks. 
Thanks for bringing that up. So, <laughs> um, we play that sound at the outset, though, because there's a big game this weekend, a consequential game, potentially monumental as it relates to the final seating. And uh, some folks get a little pissy about my reference to that possibility in this week's power rankings. Of course, they get pissy about a lot of things in the power rankings because every fan of every team wants their team to be higher than they are. They forget there are 32 teams and somebody has to be 32 and somebody has to occupy every other spot between 31 and number one. But the idea that this game, Sunday night football, and this isn't just hype. I mean, they're going to pay us either way. This isn't, you know, sing for your supper. This is reality. Cowboys at the 49ers, the two best teams in the NFC, playing one time this year with a very good chance that they'll meet again. They have each of the last two years in the postseason. And the outcome of this game goes a long way toward determining where that game will be, which could be a huge difference. One of the things Jason Garrett, former Cowboys coach, says, Cowboys speed on defense, a lot more effective on artificial turf than on the grass at Levi's Stadium. And home field advantage, very real in San Francisco. The faithful are vocal, and it's a hell of an intimidating environment. You'd much rather them come to you. And who loses this game, Miles, one last point, and then I'll shut up, who loses this game becomes in danger of not winning their division because, oh, the Seahawks look pretty freaking good in the NFC West, and the Eagles are still the Eagles, in the NFC East. So it's not just the tiebreaker. There may not be a tie to break. Both teams have to win the division for there to be a tie to break. So layers and levels of intrigue and relevance and consequence to this game on Sunday night. We're not just saying that. You know that. Everybody who's watching this knows it. Cowboys 49ers, the rivalry has been restored. And once again, good morning. Yes. No, I mean, you're not wrong about any of that. I mean, I, I've been excited for this game since the season started. I mean, even before the season, I guess we can go back and say. And, and part of it is when you get two teams like this that you expect to be good and we see them early, it's kind of like you're seeing them at the height of their powers. Because as the season goes on, you know, it, football is just a game of attrition. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. But, you know, when you go through it, Nobody's going to be healthy by the time these two teams meet in January, if they do meet in January. And as you mentioned, they have for the last two years. But if you see them now, you know, as they're starting to get to know each other, but they're four games in. right? So they understand as a team who they are a little bit more now than they would have, let's say, even two weeks ago. Right? You've played four games. And I think now as we see them we're going to be able to see what should be the best version of Cowboys versus 49ers until maybe they meet again in January. So th this is exciting for a number of reasons, and I, I find that to be one of them. Yeah, I think that there may be some sound from Kyle Shanahan we play later that touches on that same point, that once you get to this juncture of the season, your team has had a chance to improve, your offensive line especially. Mm -hmm. That narrative really hasn't been mentioned much this year. Maybe we've just gotten bored with it. We've just gotten used to it. But starting in 2011, with the reduction in off-season workouts and the similar reduction in contact practices, padded practices, tackling to the ground, strong blocking football-type stuff, it took about a month of the regular season 
to get teams to where they were going to be. The Patriots have struggled mm-hmm. with that. There's reason to think the Patriots are going to get better because we've seen them over the past decade take about a month to get in the form they would have been in week one under the old school rules with more off-season workouts, with more contact in training camp practices, with more preseason games, now three instead of four as it used to be. All those factors combine to really make the first month of the regular season kind of like the final tuning-up stages where the games count. That's the only problem. The games count. So whoever wins them, that's why we say those wins in September are money in the bank because you're going to be a different team by January. But it doesn't matter. That version of your team that won or lost in September is on your permanent record, and that's what determines those final positions on the playoff tree or not on the playoff tree, as the case may be. All right, so we're going to talk a lot about that today. Wednesday show is that weird kind of look back, look forward. And by the way, I need to mention our good friend Dan Patrick is going to join us later in the program as we pass the baton from PFT Live to the Dan Patrick Show on both Peacock and Sirius XM 85. We are the the opener for him every morning, our two hours lead into his three. So we'll have him on the program at about 8.35 a.m. Eastern. But until then, it's Miles and me. You're stuck with both of us. If you're hanging around for DP, get comfortable and listen to us bozos. So speaking of bozos, here's Jerry Jones. (laughs) You know what? I was going to try to straight face that and sell that. (laughs) He couldn't do it. But I I just can't. I don't need any phone calls today i'm just getting over covid and i don't need any phone calls about what did you say about jerry jones today so anyway here's jerry jones from his tuesday appearance every week on 105.3 the fan in dallas with our good friends or at least my good friends sean and rj i don't know if miles knows them but i do here's jerry jones talking about the san francisco 49ers they are right now uh, probably the uh, most likely team to uh, go in the super bowl and, uh, but in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us, uh, hopefully two times, uh, if that's the way it falls in the playoffs. And we're in the playoffs, of course. But the bottom line is that uh, um, you, you're you playing the best. Uh, this is a, a, a certainly uh, – you don't need the game to tell you that you're playing the best. But you need the game to uh, show you uh, how you stack up against the best. I mean, he's absolutely right. And I don't know that he relishes the opportunity to play them again in the postseason. If someone else would beat them first, that counts too, right? I mean, I've never seen anyone complain about having an easier path to the Super Bowl by virtue of the fact that the lesser team found a way to outscore the better team because maybe the better team was peaking past that game. We see that. 49ers could be the one seed the one team that gets a bye, the one team that doesn't have to play from the NFC postseason field in the wild card round, taking on a team that won in the wild card round that isn't supposed to be there, that has nothing to lose. They catch them flat-footed early, and the next thing you know, they're out, maybe in part because 49ers playing on Sunday, Cowboys punch their ticket on Saturday, they're thinking about playing the Cowboys again, and they... They fall flat on their faces. So I don't think Jerry Jones would complain about avoiding the 49ers in the postseason if they could, but he has to be realistic. Yeah, you're probably going to see the 49ers again. 
And, you know, Miles, the one big takeaway I had from that is if I'm an Eagles fan listening to it, I'm getting a little bit salty because what about us? You got to deal with us before you ever got to worry about the 49ers again in the postseason because you may not win the division. You may be that team that goes in in the divisional round after you've managed to finagle a win in the wild card round to get your ass kicked by the 49ers. But the, 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 the Cowboys still have a lot to prove before they can establish that, that the Eagles are not their biggest concern. For now, I would say Eagles and 49ers are equivalent concern for the Cowboys and what they're trying to do. Well, especially if you just look at the records, right? I mean, the 49ers are 4-0, yeah, but the Eagles are also 4-0, and they're also in the Cowboys division. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I thought when he starts saying, oh, well, you know, the 49ers look like they're the most likely that 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 I mean, I don't think he's exactly wrong. I mean, certainly the 49ers have looked like the most complete team to me in the NFL through the first four weeks of the season, but the Eagles are still 4-0. And if the Eagles are 4-0 and they're in your division, well, that's the team you've got to beat at least once, if not twice, in order to ensure that you are going to be at the top of your own division too. And, you know, somebody else has got to beat the 49ers to make sure that they don't get that number one overall seed if it's not you that, you know, doesn't defeat them on Sunday. So there's a lot left to decide. But what is interesting, Mike? I mean, we thought that the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys would be the top three teams in the NFC. But at least to me right now, I would argue that those three teams might be the top three in the NFL. So it's interesting that the the NFC is that top heavy. And one of those three teams it, whether it's the Eagles or the Cowboys probably is going to end up as the five seed. And that's saying nothing of the Seahawks who obviously, you know, blasted the giants on Monday night. You know, you make a great point going into the season. It looked like the AFC had all the great teams and it was going to be a nonstop week in and week out battle, trying to figure out which of the AFC teams would emerge and that they all seem to be potential contenders except for the Texans and the Raiders. And I think for now, all we can say is except for the Raiders, given the way the Texans have handled their business, especially the last couple of weeks. And the Mm -hmm. NFC was the 49ers and the Eagles and everybody else. And there was a second tier that consisted of the Cowboys and the Lions and the Seahawks. Well, the second tier and the first tier are kind of starting to press together. Even though the Eagles and the 49ers are undefeated, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Seahawks, you got the Buccaneers in there as well. I don't know what to make of them yet. But the Seahawks would scare the hell out of me if I'm a 49ers fan. And the Eagles have to be something the Cowboys take seriously. The Cowboys have not been anointed as the best team in the NFC East yet. They've had three dominant wins. That's the difference. The Eagles have had four inside straights that they pulled, and they could have lost each of those games. The Cowboys lost one game that we still don't know how the hell that happened. Well, we know how it happened because we crowned them, and they were too busy polishing the crown instead of focusing on the Cardinals. That's what Dak basically said. The other three games, when they were paying attention to the football and not to their crown, they kicked the shit out of everybody. I'm sorry I said that. I'm trying to clean it up, and there it came. Oh, by the way, by the way, I got an email from one of our loyal viewers who thinks that Chris is on timeout for dropping the F-bomb yesterday. No, he doesn't work on Wednesdays during football season. At least he doesn't do this show. I think he still does his podcast today, but this is a little break because he does Mondays now. So 
he doesn't do Wednesdays. He isn't in trouble. Well, he might be in trouble, but he's not off today because of that. He might be off tomorrow because of it. I might be off tomorrow as well because I dropped the S-bomb. Because we got first graders out there getting ready for school and their grandparents are watching the show and trying to clean it up. Get a little loose. The kids got to learn sometime, loose. though. Uh, kids huh? got to learn sometime. All I right. guess. Jeez. So, anyway, kids got to learn sometime. I remember the first time I heard my dad say the F word. And, I mean, I went to Catholic school. And I learned it when I was six years old. At Catholic school in 1971. And I remember hearing my dad say it. And I was mortified. And I'm thinking, you know, I just, I didn't know if it was just something kids say. I don't know if you grew out of it at some point. But it was just weird to hear it coming from my dad. Even though, as a kid, by the time I heard my dad say it, I'd been saying it for four years. And all my friends had been saying it for four years at a Catholic school. And I don't think that was very different than any other small town in America. I think big town, small town, any town, the F-bomb has been ricocheting around (laughs) playgrounds and classrooms and especially now. Now it's everywhere. I mean, back then you never heard it on TV. You never heard it anywhere. You only heard it if you somehow snuck into an R-rated movie, which was impossible unless you did the whole two kids stacked on top of each other with an overcoat and snuck, you know, went up and bought the ticket that way. But that only works in cartoons. Trust me, I've tried it. But uh, uh-huh. um, it's always good to be on the top in that one, too. But uh, I digress. How do we even get here? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to clean it up. the Cowboys. <laughs> to, to put the... a bow on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the S... The stuffing out of the out of everybody, everybody. Yes. I mean, the Giants, forty to nothing. The who they Giants beat in week awful. two? I can't even remember. The, the Jets, Jets, thirty to ten in week yeah. two. Thirty-eight to three over the Patriots. Yeah. So when Bill the Cowboys are fully ever. focused, ever, ever at the worst possible time, frankly. But mm-hmm. I I think that if you know with the Cowboys, the challenge is you got to weather the storm early. And if you don't, they are going to huff and they're going to puff and they're going to blow your house down and it's not made of brick. Now, the difference is 49ers' house is made of brick. That's the difference. That's what makes this game so compelling. What does that mean? <laughs> the 49ers' house is made of brick and the Cowboys' house is You don't know the three little pigs? I, mean, I know. I'm going to huff I know, but and I'm, I'm going to puff this- and I'm going to blow your house down. If it's so made of straw... You blow it down. If it's made of wood, yes. you blow it down. If it's made of brick, the Cowboys can't just go in and blow it down. They're not going to beat the 49ers 38-3. to That's my point. Okay. Uh, I know you're you. not aware of a I lot just... of things in the 80s, <laughs> but I think the Three Little Pigs dates to the 1880s. I mean, Is yes, that what you do? Does, do you ignore everything just... from the 80s of every century of human existence? 1980s, 1880s, 1780s? You're aware we're a free country? You're aware that we... We won the the uh, Revolutionary War. I mean, it happened in the 1780s. Maybe you're not aware of that either. <laughs> I want to make a joke right now. I'm not going to do it. But I think that, that I just didn't really understand what you were trying to say. Like, I mean, the 49ers house is made of brick. Like, what like, does that just mean that they're made of stronger stuff? I'm gonna huff, like, I just needed you. I just needed you to puff. be a little more clear. 
as to what that meant. I don't know how much more because clear. If I don't, I don't know, know how much if I don't know clear. what it is, what is the audio like? What are you talking about? Like, oh, people's houses are made of straw and wood, but how? the 49ers is made of brick. Like, is it just because they're red? Is it because they're made of stronger stuff? Like, yes, they have the 49ers clearly have a stronger foundation and are built as a stronger team. So, yeah, the Cowboys aren't just going to just be able to strut in there, you know, score a few touchdowns early and then like kick the crap out of them. So I, I understand now what you're saying, but when you introed it, it really didn't make that much sense. I was just making a reference to one of my favorite, you know, when they weren't <laughs> teaching me the, the F word, we were talking about the three little pigs when I was six years old. They, uh-huh. they still do the three little pigs. So you've been they? saying the F word. You've been saying the F word since you were two is what you said. We, it's like, well, yeah, no. me and my friends have been saying it for four years. And then I heard it from my dad no. when I was six. No, <laughs> I was doing no, the math no, on that. I le- that also no. didn't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I was unclear. I learned it when I was six. I heard my dad okay. say it four years later. So ah, I was when 10 you were ten. When I heard my dad uh-huh. say it. Did the, the, the nuns was, like smack the- your hands with a ruler if you was that like a thing? No, when I never you were said growing it. up. No, I never, never uh-huh. no. Oh yes. Oh, oh no, it wasn't smack with a ruler. I've told this story before, and let me go ahead and tell it again. I once Great. bumped into a nun in first grade. It was the substitute teacher. Our regular nun that was our day-in and day-out teacher was ill. So they bring in the substitute. And coming in from the playground, recess is over, and I'm, you know, roly-poly little kid, and I accidentally bumped into her. I didn't know on purpose. I'm six years old. Like, I'm not going to go try to, you know, body check a nun into the, into the chalkboard at six years old. I just kind of accidentally bumped into her, and she took her fingers. I still I remember this. I'm scarred by it. This, this explains a lot about... A lot of things that happened in those years explain a lot. But I, I, she, she took her fingers and dug them into my arm, broke, and it was this oh. combination. It was this weird, this weird wound that was like cuts and bruises and nasty. And my mom saw it. And she's like, what happened to your arm? And even then, even though I'd never heard this, I just kind of thought instinctively, if I tell on a nun, I'm going to go to hell. So I said it was <laughs> one of the older kids at school that did it. And... Um, and it's funny because in hindsight, the way it was all handled, I think they knew, I think the administration knew that, that this one particular nun may have had anger issues and, uh, may have, I may, I may not have been the first six year old whose skin was punctured by her fingernails. So uh, it all kind of blew over quickly. But if my mom had ever put two and two together, uh, they, they would have been very lucky that that school was made of brick. Let me just leave it at that. All right. Yeah. Back to football. Back to the 49ers and the Cowboys. There's always a wrinkle that comes up from time to time, and I don't know how much it means, but all of a sudden it's a thing again. As the Cowboys got ready to play the Patriots, ooh, we're going to interrogate all of our Patriots players about the Cowboys, and the Patriots going to talk to all their Cowboys, you know, Zeke about whatever Zeke had didn't work. <laughs> didn't, didn't, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Zeke maybe Zeke's like you know a, a planted there. Maybe he was a spy. I don't know. But now it's we'll a thing again too. to try to. Well, we'll, it, did, we'll it didn't work. Yeah. I know. It I know. didn't work. Yeah, try, to, there. try to find out what you can. Yeah, it didn't work. So here's Brian Schottenheimer, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, on trying to pick the brain of former 49ers quarterback Trey Lance, now the third stringer in Dallas, for any information that he can get about what the 49ers might be doing. Trey knows a little bit about you know, what they're doing. Yeah, you know, the cool thing is, you know, like I said, the team knows them well. I know them well from being in Seattle. Trey knows them well. But, like, 
like last week. It, it, it's it, it's kind of in good fun and humor. Like we all we all use pieces that we have in place, but we don't go too far into it. Uh, we can know exactly what they're going to do because they don't do too much, and, and they're still really, really tough to go against just because they're so talented. The play style that they have, the cool thing with San Francisco, the play style's never changed. It doesn't matter who the coordinator is, whether it's D'Amico, uh, Robert, it, it doesn't matter. You know, with Steve coming in there, it, their play style is a lot like our defensive play style and how we try to play offensively. It's physical and up-tempo, and they run and they hit, and um, that's way more important than the scheme that they run. So, um We'll definitely talk to Trey. He knows a lot of the pieces going against them in practice, but um, it uh, doesn't always help, uh, as we uh, learned yesterday. Hey, uh, Mr. Columbia, what does Carpe Omnia mean? Do you know? Carpe Omnium? Sees something, probably. uh, I know, it sees something. It sees something, right? I just don't know what it, it sees, but maybe it sees the moment. I bet it sees the moment. Carpe yeah. Omnia, I bet it sees the yeah. moment. It's yeah, clearly a Cowboys-issued hoodie um, with, you know, Jerry Jones and Latin really do not seem to be, like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. like this, huh? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, maybe Carpe Omnia means seize the glory hole. Maybe that's what it means. Oh, I don't know uh, if it's Jerry Jones, if he has anything to do with it. So, look, here's what they should be doing. This isn't about trying to talk to Trey Lance to get an idea of what the 49ers generally do. The guessing game here is, what will Kyle Shanahan concoct for this game? Because that's what he does. He will come up with a specific game plan, starting with the run, to figure out how to attack this defense. So what, what he's done in the past doesn't matter. What is he doing? We're trying to guess what he's going to do against this defense. That's really the right. key. So whatever Trey Lance might have picked up. Now, maybe Trey Lance picked up something prior to the playoff game last year, even though he, he was still around the team, even though he had the broken ankle. And the year before, he was around the team. And they played the Cowboys. That's where the value is. What does he do to a Dan Quinn defense? Where do you think he's going to go? And I think Kyle Shanahan's smart enough to know I can't just go back and dust off the game plan from the playoff game last year or the year before because they're going to know what I did. I got to do something else. That's that's where the chess match is. And as a smart coach told me a few months ago, chess match in football matters only if one team isn't all pawns and the other team isn't queens and rooks. Well, we got two teams of queens and rooks, so chess match matters this weekend. Last week, frankly, all due respect to the Patriots and where they currently are, it was pawns versus queens and rooks. This week, it's queens and rooks versus queens and rooks. I, I like that. I've never heard that analogy before, but that's really good. Yeah, it's it's queens and rooks. And, you know, you got bishops and all the other pieces that are in chess that I don't really know because I never really paid chess. But like, yeah, versus pawns like that. That's a really, really good analogy. I'm going to have to use that. Um, But I think remember last week we were talking about Colin Kaepernick and the sort of absurdity of what he put in that letter. It's like run the scout team like this actually is a week where that matters when you're talking about a guy in Trey Lance, because it's not like he's just reading what the plays are on the card in practice, right? He 
at least should be in theory, and maybe he can't, which is why he is no longer in San Francisco, but he should be able to speak to the intent of the play, right? And so it's not just the results that we're seeing. It's, oh, the look here, the read here is one, two, three, right? So it's not just, oh, we see this result and this is what we have to practice against. It is, no, the intent is, well, this is should, what Kyle Shanahan would think where this ball should go. And if it can't go there, then he would want it to go here and he would want it to go blah, 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 blah. And you would think that him being around the 49ers for as long as he was, I mean, two plus years, right? That you would think that some of that would have sunk in. But we don't really know that it did. I mean, because maybe if it did, he would still be with the San Francisco 49ers. So that's one place where I think that Trey Lance should be able to help uh, the Dallas Cowboys this week is running that offense because he knows that offense, or at least he should know that offense from the Not time well that enough. he spent there. Yeah, no. exactly. I know. Well I know. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, yeah. well, he doesn't count as a queen or a rook because if he were a queen or a rook, then he probably would still be with the 49ers. Instead, he's a pawn. So how much does the pawn help you when you're trying to go against the queens and the rooks? I don't know. At least if, you know, the, uh, yeah, I, I, I've had enough of saying what I've said there. Yeah. Well, well, but. But he's a pawn in more ways than one because he's literally a pawn in this game, this broader game between the Cowboys and the 49ers because that's really the only value he has at this point. Wouldn't it be funny, though, when I saw those comments yesterday, I thought, I wonder if they're going to, like, activate him and, like, put in a package and try to stick it to Kyle Shanahan a little bit. Like, if Trey Lance is ever going to be motivated to go out and perform at a high level, it would be playing against the San Francisco 49ers, although – Although, if I was Trey Lance, I'd be thinking, yeah, I'd rather play against another defense first. I know those guys. Right? I, I, I know how they play. I, can, can you save me? Well, like, why didn't you use me against, I don't want to necessarily say the Patriots or the Jets, uh, but some other team that doesn't have a great defense. And the 49ers have one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. By the way, Carpe Omnia means seize everything that is the cowboys motto Mm. for the year i had missed that that memo they had trotted that out just before the start of the regular season seize everything so it doesn't really fit the whole cowboy motif not a lot of latin in the westerns although i guess spaghetti western close enough to latin they know who we mean okay let's flip it over to the 49ers while we're on this topic of the cowboys and the 49ers they also would like to seize everything. Here's Kyle Shanahan from earlier in the week on the biggest challenge of facing a very good Dallas Cowboys team. Uh, just how their pass rush, how fast they play. I mean, Dan Quinn is as good as anyone at the D-line. And that's also just in general, I mean, I think the big, I think one of the biggest tests for every team in the NFL is um, how much better you get each game because – the lack of practice and stuff that big people get in the offseason compared to what it takes to be ready. Um, it's just not enough. And no one's ever there in week one, um, especially up front. I mean, run blocking, pass blocking, you need a lot more reps of that to get better as a unit. And that's why it's so important that in these games, the more games you can stay healthy and the more games you can play together, um, usually you get better throughout the year. It's a point that we alluded to earlier. Their offensive mm-hmm. line is better now than it was week one. The 49ers offensive line, very good. Just like other teams that have, oh, look at what Christian McCaffrey is doing. Oh, look at what Brock Purdy is doing. Oh, look at what Debo Samuel can do. 
you very rarely mention, hey, the offensive line is putting all the defenders on their asses. But we saw it. I don't know if you've seen the clip that's going around of the play from Monday night where it was just a four-man rush from the Seahawks against the Giants. And Daniel Jones was instantly surrounded by Seahawks with just four of them rushing. That illustrates, as well as anything else ever could, how important it is to have an offensive line that knows what the hell they're doing. And they get overlooked when they're doing it well, and they are clearly and unequivocally noticed when they're not doing it well, even though everyone is still blaming Daniel Jones for Monday night. It's such a weird dynamic. They hate their quarterbacks in New York. They hate them. Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, it's all their fault. Nobody else. Doesn't matter if you don't have blocking. It's your fault. There was nothing else Daniel Jones could have done. And the 49ers skill position players can do everything thanks to the offensive line that they have. It's true. I mean, that's that, whenever you get 11 sacks in a game, and I know only 10 of them were on Daniel Jones, that's an institutional failure, right? I mean, that's not just on the quarterback. Of course not. That's on the head coach. That's on the offensive coordinator. That's on the offensive line coach. That's on the tight ends coach. It's on, it's on the offensive lineman. It's on the t- I mean, it's on literally everybody when you get that many sacks. So, yeah, that's one thing. But, Mike, I, I like to say that Trent Williams, left tackle, for the San Francisco 49ers is basically like an extra skill position player because of how good he is. And he's one of the few guys in the league that really can kind of slow down the Micah Parsons of the world, right? The DeMarcus Lawrence's of the world. And he's done it very well in the last couple of times that the 49ers have played uh, the Dallas Cowboys. If you look at the playoffs, Micah Parsons in the last two games, right? He has only had like one uh, QB hit and one tackle for loss in a total of 124 snaps in those two games. So this is something that the 49ers, yeah, they've been able to kind of control the game in that manner, but that doesn't mean that that's exactly what's going to happen in this game too. But I, I think when you have somebody like Trent Williams who can lead that offensive line, it does open up the possibilities for everybody. And you see the difference in what that the 49ers offense can do versus what most offenses can do against really strong defenses. And you're right about Trent Williams, but I don't want to take anything away from the other guys because the reality sure, is yeah. if Trent Williams was all they had, they just avoid him. Just put Michael Parsons away from him. Put Demarcus Lawrence away from him. Just put put the worst pass rusher on Trent Williams and let the others go feast on the rest of the offensive line. They're great wall to wall. Williams is the guy who's the Hall of Famer. He's the guy who can get away with punching someone in the face and not get ejected. Right? He that's how important he is to the offense. But but I mean, he clearly did punch the guy in the face. Yeah, I mean, I, what I, the I hell? Mean, are they, I mean, what what are they yeah, watching at three forty five Park Avenue during the games? He punched the guy in the face. So anyway. Um, there, there may be more like that on Sunday night between the Cowboys and the 49ers. Before we take a break, I, I do. <laughs> I, I've looked. At, I checked my email during the show just to just out of curiosity and just is there anything? Because oh, so I've got you're stack. bored by what I'm talking about. That that's why I know no, it's okay. No, I'm multitasking. Uh-huh. I never know what's going to show up that might be relevant to the show. There might be some comment, some observation, just like the question of whether or not Chris Sims is suspended today because he dropped the F-bomb yesterday. I glance down while you're talking. I'm capable of doing two things at once. Anyway, I have a long stack now of emails telling me what carpe omnia means. Sees everything. Sees that. And within that stack 
of long emails, not long emails, but a long stack of short emails saying what Carpe Omnia means. I have Miles is an idiot. Anyone knows what the Brick House Three Pigs reference means. So okay. that's the yeah. only email other than what Carpe Omnia means. So, all right, anyway. thanks. Uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to huff and we're going to puff and we're going to be back with Mike Tomlin on whether his talk of change is simply huffing and puffing. See, we turn it into a running bit that will continue through the fabric of the show until I forget or get bored with it or PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You know, I was talking about the physicality component or the lack thereof, and and it didn't take long for me to realize uh, practice attire early in the in the year. But also, um, you know, some matchup related things. Man, we're open to dividing the labor up more finely in in an effort to get better play, um, to put people in circumstances that are advantageous to their skill set without being too specific and getting into game plan related things um we're open to doing whatever is required to to highlight the skill sets of people based on what we have seen uh to this point in the journey you talk about a division of labor especially with players does any of that extend to coaches whether that's changing who's calling the plays anything like that on the offense not at this juncture no mike tomlin coach of the steelers vowed to make some changes after they got their asses kicked by the Houston Texans 30-6. to Here's the reality, though. What can you really change within the confines of a given season? What can you really do that's going to make you better? You can make changes, but the changes may make you worse, not better. You can't fire your players. You got salary cap consequences, right? You could maybe trade a malcontent like they did last year with Chase Claypool. Sorry, Bears. But there isn't much you can do to change your team. And I don't know what practice attire means. Maybe pads. he meant attitude or like no, practice. He means pads. 
intensity. Oh, well, that's true. But you only have so much you can do. That's true. Practice right. attire. Yeah, pads. Duh. Duh. But you can only do it so many times in the season. It's yes. not It's not a, a, a weapon you can constantly resort to to get your team better. And I assumed he's using maximum padded practices anyway. Like, did he just stop doing padded practices altogether? So I just don't know what can be done because he made it clear the Texans were more physical than the Steelers. And that, frankly, is worse than losing 30-6. to To have the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers acknowledge that anyone is more physical than the Steelers because that's been their DNA for 50 Mm -hmm. years, Miles. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that certainly, I mean, when you're only you've had three coaches, you know, in years and years and years and eons and eons, I mean, which is unheard of, that's part of what the Steelers DNA is. And we know that, but I, I think maybe one of the things that they might've done last week was back off on some of those heavy, you know, practices because of the situation that they had with travel. Now, I don't necessarily know that, but that's one of those things that could have been a consequence of, you know, the plane stopping in Kansas City and being there and, you know, doing all that and not getting home until whenever they got home. So I, I think the, the, the Steelers obviously have to put that physical element back in there. And, you know, padded practices is one thing that you can go to and you can say, okay, that's how we're, ab- we're definitely going to ratchet up the intensity. But I think, you know, on a larger level, what's interesting to me is that when he was asked about coaching changes, he said not at this juncture and not that's not something we would do, right? It, it, it wasn't, you know, when Mike Tomlin wants to be definitive, he can be definitive. You know, when he said never say never, but never when the people were kind of trying to connect him to the USC job, that's Mike Tomlin being definitive. When he says not at this juncture, that to me is a signal that like, hey, at some point, if things don't change and if things don't get better, something could happen there. And it's not like, you know, that's going to be some, I don't know, hugely explosive thing where all of a sudden the the offense is going to look different and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. But what I would go back to is the Lions when they kind of made their changes a couple years ago when Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator and instead they kind of elevated Ben Johnson to the play calling role and he was kind of sharing that with uh, Dan Campbell and then it became more Ben Johnson as things as time went on. Like that was an in-season change that really did make a difference because Ben Johnson just connected that much better with Jared Goff and with Dan Campbell and what they wanted to do offensively. So It's not completely out of the question for a change to happen that is internal within the coaching staff and for things to get better. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be some magic elixir either. And you're right. Look, I think back to 2012 when the Ravens fired Cam Cameron as -hmm. offensive coordinator in December. And gave the job to Jim Caldwell. And, oh, by the way, ultimately won the Super Bowl that year. So there are fixes that can be made. And that's a great catch. Not at this juncture. That isn't what Mike Tomlin would say if it's never going to happen. And, oh, by the way, after this week's home game against the Ravens, Steelers have the bye week. What's the best time during a season to make any type of significant change to your procedures? Bye week. When you've got time to kind of regroup and process and come up with what everything is going to be and then roll it out to the players when they're back from their mandatory five-day break. That is something to watch. Now, 
if Kenny Pickett can't play this weekend with that bone bruise in his knee and it's Mitch Trubisky, does that save Matt Canada if that's where this thing is heading? Does he get fired or does he just get de-emphasized? It is a strange time because the winds were blowing so fiercely in his direction before that Sunday night game week three against the Raiders. Steelers win, offense looks better, the pressure drops. Then they go down to Houston, can't do anything, and it's all back now. And let me just add this, too. There's this thing going around on social media about the Matt Canada burner account. And we, we communicated among the PFT writers about this. And I went back through my past emails from people with the Steelers. This whole thing is premised upon the idea that the burner account had contact that looks like with all the asterisks they put in there as they prepare to ask you where they want the verification code to be sent or whatever, it looks like Steelers.com, Matt Canada at Steelers.com. That's not how the Steelers do their emails. It's Steelers.NFL.com. That's the giveaway there, that this thing that, because it's a great story, especially at a time when anybody and everybody that likes the Steelers hates Matt Canada and is looking for something they can grab onto to justify getting this guy the hell out of town. Oh, look, he's so pathetic, he set up a burner account to support himself. It's Steelers.NFL.com. It's not Steelers.com. So that that blows it out of the water. And I don't like to turn up my nose at a potentially compelling story, but I tend to try to at least reside from time to time within the boundaries of, you know, reality. Miles. From time uh, to yeah, time. Uh, uh, occasionally you you do do that yeah I mean <laughs> there's only one coach I know who had uh, a lot of time to be on Twitter and you know they were in the nation's capital so you know I don't think that Matt Canada is having any dust-ups on Twitter I so back to the, back to the Steelers just a little dust-up back to the Steelers uh they got the Ravens coming to town and they may not have Kenny Pickett I mean this is like this is how it's going to be for the Steelers. It's going to be red alert, hair on fire, all hands on deck, and they're going to find a way to win. And then they're going to get their ass kicked, and it's going to be red alert, hair on fire, all hands on deck. It's <laughs> right. just going to, it's going to, all year long, that's what it's going to be. It's yes. like, oh my God, this is, until it breaks one way or the other. And maybe, maybe it starts to break because it is the Ravens who know a thing or two about playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And it'll be a close, hard-fought game, presumably. I can't imagine, under any set of circumstances, either of these teams blowing the other out, no matter how, you know, if we're talking queens and rooks and pawns, it doesn't matter. Yes. When it's Ravens-Steelers, it's on, and you suck it up, and you outperform your abilities to match the guy across from you. But they lose this one going into the bye and fall to 2-3 and three after they were 2-1. and one. And if the offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, if the offense doesn't perform, it's going to be a long two weeks in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. which tells me this week is going to be a long week for the players because Mike Tomlin is going to kick their asses to get them ready for this game. They need this game. They need to go into this bye at 3-2 and two badly. You know what they really need to do, Mike? They, they've got to get the run game going. And, you know, I, I think that they would need to do that anyway if it were Kenny Pickett. But if it is Mitchell Trubisky back there at quarterback, that means that there needs to be even more of an emphasis on the run game. Right now, they're only averaging 3.6 yards per carry, and they don't have any rushing touchdowns. And I think when you're talking about physicality and wanting to be more physical and all that, 
that when you get the run game going, you know, when your offensive line is firing off the ball and they're getting their double teams and they're getting up to linebackers and you are able to get five yards, you know, six yards, chunk plays, tenures, that's where the physicality element can really come in there. So that to me, if I'm the Steelers and, you know, you're practicing in pads and whatever it might be in your practice attire, that's where I think the focus needs to be this week because irrespective of who the quarterback is, the run game has got to get better against this Ravens defense. And yeah, it's going to be difficult to do that, but that's one place where I think the physicality can definitely come into play. And one of the big questions has been the division of labor between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, and there's been a push for more Jalen Warren. And I know from going to the Browns-Steelers game a couple of weeks ago, Warren has more burst. Warren's mm-hmm. got more acceleration. But, he can play. But this may, this may be why Mike Tomlin has, I think, a special affinity for Najee Harris. And I'm looking at the touches from last week. It was 15 for Najee Harris and 14 for Jalen Warren. It has been evened out. But Najee Harris was far more effective. The physicality is what oozes from Najee Harris. He's not gaining grounds with acceleration and burst and speed. He's gaining yardage by hitting you in the mouth and by not going down and fighting and scratching and clawing for every yard he can get. When I see him run for eight yards, I look and I say, boy, there's other running backs out there that would have gotten 20 out of that. But he earns every blade of grass. And I think that mentality is what Mike Tomlin is trying to instill in the team this week. So this could be an old-school, heavy dose of Najee Harris type of a game. With Jalen Warren is more of a, and I'm just guessing here, Jalen Warren is more of a change of pace. Maybe one of the changes they're going to make is, We love the physicality of Najee Harris. That's what we need for the entire football team, both sides of the ball. We need them to see this guy going out there and giving everything he has every time he touches the ball because we need everybody else to play that way all the time. Just a wild guess, but it it goes back to the beginning when I didn't know what the hell Mike Tomlin was talking about when he said changing practice attire. If you're going to put on the pads and you're going to go beat each other up this week to get ready for the Ravens, it could be a Najee Harris game on Sunday if the Steelers are going to have a chance to win. Let's take a break. When we return, where do the Steelers and some of the other teams stand in the Week 5 power rankings? We'll take a look at those when PFT Live continues right after this. Takes a step, fires to the end zone to Jefferson. Give it to McCaffrey off the left side. One, two, three, four, touchdown! <laughs> C.F.C. Jones is throw, throws near side. Ball picked up, Witherspoon comes near side, down the sidelines, picks up blockers. Holy catfish! Witherspoon went a mile and a half with the interception for a touchdown. Rolling. Throwing Tannehill. Yeah. Touchdown! Tight! Henry, I should say. All that movement just freaked me out. <laughs> Pump Day Homers from week four. I always love those. And for the first time this year, we get to include Paul Allen because the Vikings had given <laughs> him very little to be Homerish about. And I, mm-hmm. I love the. The Justin Jefferson, too small, 
I was chastised for my son for not knowing what that was. That that oh, is, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. But well, he laughed when I asked him about it. When I talked to Justin Jefferson after the game, that it wasn't a message to that defensive back. It was a message to the league. Maybe he was just being nice because when you watch that, it looks like it was a message to that player. Yeah. Well, if he tells you that it's a message to that player, then he might get fined for taunting. So, you know, you got to say it's a message to the entire yeah. league, right? It's like Tyree Kill. He's got to do the deuces forward instead of backward because if he does it forward, he's saying, you know, he's celebrating to the crowd. If he does it backwards, he's taunting. I, I understand. I, yeah, he's got to think with or his head Or sometimes he kind of – he does it a little low-key yeah, where to the like, side. He, 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 like he just – he flashes <laughs> him and then brings him back in. So, All right, power rankings. Speaking of the Chiefs, they are up to number three after beating the New York Jets, a game they could have lost. I wonder how far they would have fallen. Here are the power hey, Tyree kills on the Dolphins, dude. Oh, yeah. Jeez, what the hell am I talking about? See, I blame the COVID. I can blame the COVID for everything. Tyree kills on the Dolphins, and they fell four spots from two to number six. See, I just slipped into a time warp there. <laughs> what the hell? Next, I'm going to be talking about the Oakland Raiders. Hey, it's and the St. Season. Louis Rams. Let's do the time warp again. All right. So, uh, so anyway, boy, you get that reference, and you don't know the three pigs. You're bringing out Rocky Horror. Well, it wasn't in the '80s. Okay. So Tyree Killam, the Dolphins fell four spots. He was held to like 53 yards receiving against the Buffalo Bills. 49. Look, there's no shakeup at the top. The 49ers are number one. I thought last week about jumping the Dolphins ahead of the 49ers after they scored 70 points. I'm glad I didn't because the Dolphins would not have handled that perch very well. They didn't handle two very well. Tyree Kill and the Dolphins fell four spots. My excuse is I was thinking about Tyree Kill throwing the deuces in his Chiefs uniform and the Cobra. I know. Both things. I mean, you I don't see him it. do the deuces a lot now with the Dolphins. All right, good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you got that. You don't get the three pigs, but you got that. Okay, yeah. so I'll throw it to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and pick. Go ahead and complain. Go ahead and uh, and find fault with my power rankings. I mean, it's not that I, I find fault. I, I just I find them interesting, right? The Buccaneers in the top ten, and I guess they kind of have to be. They're three and one. I mean, do I really, really believe in the Buccaneers? I don't know. But the way they're playing, I mean, look, Baker Mayfield is playing some of the best football of his career. He's completing 70% of his passes. He's got a passer rating of over 100. I think he's eighth right now in the league in passer rating. They're playing like a top 10 team. I just, I don't know how much I believe in them, and I don't think that that's fair. Well, right, and they love that. They like that people don't believe in them. They like that people think that they're not going to be any good. This is a team that has a lot of guys that were there for the Super Bowl championship just three years ago. And Baker Mayfield, 2018. I mean, you know this. You're a Browns fan. 2018, he was great. 2019, Freddie Kitchens happened. 2020, he was great again. Took them to the brink of the conference championship round. Gave the Chiefs everything they could handle. And then week one of 2021, went back to Kansas City and gave them a good game again. It was that shoulder injury week two against the Texans that threw his career off track. Last year was this weird journey from Cleveland to Charlotte to L.A. and never re- – and, and the Panthers were horrible last year. Yeah, they were. Like, he never had a chance to be any good with them. So he gets to Tampa early, takes a very low salary. I mean, especially when you look at how he's doing now. That's the that's yeah. the bargain. Everybody wants to say Brock Purdy's the bargain, but Brock Purdy is is locked into a, a rookie wage scale contract. Baker Mayfield negotiated and accepted 
that four, four and a half million base salary he's getting from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is a bargain. So they belong in the top 10 right now. And yeah. there's a bunch of two and two teams. They're three and one. Three and one right. through four games means something. Those wins, as I said earlier, are money in the bank. That means a lot when January rolls around. And they're the best team, even though it's just a one game lead over the rest of the division. They're clearly the best team in that division. Yeah, they, they are right now. Uh, other risers on here, the Texans jumping 11 spots, number 11, and my Los Angeles Rams, huh? Plus 12, up to number 12 hey. here, man. Look, I still don't know how they lost to the Bengals last Monday night, and I was a little upset. They had a turnstile at left tackle, with all due respect for that man. That, I'm sorry, well, that, that, that's yes, why. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but I, I have to respect what they were able to do in Indianapolis. Building the lead, blowing the lead, and then winning the game. And the Matthew Stafford, I don't know how much longer we're going to get to enjoy watching Matthew Stafford because of all the physical pounding he takes. And he's already there. And I expect him to be limited in practice today or not practice at all for the L.A. Rams after that hip injury that they're trying to downplay. That Look, I've, I, I fell one time on my hip. And, I mean, that is a pain that never goes away. No matter, you can't get comfortable. I mean, he's got to be in agony this week, but he never complains. He just keeps going. And I respect what the Rams did in Indianapolis, and I respect where they are. And, I, I yes, I moved them up probably farther than I should, but I like what they're doing right now. I'm thinking maybe I had them too low earlier in the season. I like where they are. But if Matthew Stafford is either unable to play or can't play like he did last week, they're not going to last for very long at number 12 miles. Well, yeah, no. And look, I mean, the thing about Stafford, too, is he's always going to be a guy who, if you give him time, he can make elite throws. Right. I think we've seen that so far this year. If you give him the time, he's going to be able to make the throws. We'll also see this week if Cooper Cup is able to come back. So, I mean, he's going to they're going to open his practice window. He should be on the field today here in Los Angeles. And then we'll see if he is going to be able to be activated to the roster in time for Sunday's game against the Eagles. That's going to be an interesting game if both of those guys are healthy and can be on the field. I mean, you add Cooper Cup to what they're doing with Puka Nakua. It's, I mean, that that's a pretty dangerous passing game so long as Matthew Stafford has time. I always root for a great story, and Puka Nakua is a great story. The 20th receiver taken in the draft, the last guy in round five, 39 catches, 501 yards, records for rookie in the first four games of his career, and just a great kid. Like, I've talked to enough people over the years. I can tell right away if someone is genuinely a great kid. And I say kid because he is a kid. He's younger than my son by like four or five years, and it just came it just came through and if hey if he had he hassled me so be it kudos to him cuz he pulled it off but i talked to him for a solid 5 minutes until they yelled in the background florio he's got to go uh he's just a great kid and and uh, i love a story like that where someone overcomes adversity overcomes what everyone thought he was going to be and yeah. just believes in himself and becomes a great player I, I i'm rooting for puka nakua and i know i'm i'm, a, I'm officially objective but you know, I think it's a great story, and I think right now what the Rams are doing is impressive because I don't think many people expected much out of them. The Jets moved up four spots in mm -hmm. the power rankings. They were down near the dregs. They you know, look, they they even though they lost, I, I look at it this way: moral victory for the second time this year. 
we had the Sunday night, Monday night, New York team back-to-back games, Mm -hmm. right? And the contrast between the Jets and the Giants this time around. Well, obviously, the first time around, look, the Jets won, but they lost Aaron Rodgers. It was doomsday, doomsday, Sunday night, Monday night to start the season. This time around, though, even though both teams lost, if you're a Jets fan, you have to feel a lot better about where the team is right now than if you're a Giants fan because something sparked in that game. And even though they lost, there is something that carries away from that game. Now, it's meaningless if they lose to the Broncos this week, but there's something there to build on. And something happened with Zach Wilson. Something changed. Again, was was it temporary or was it a building block? And I tend to believe it was a building block. I think... They finally worked through the post-Aaron Rodgers trauma. He came in Saturday night like Batman, as as Alan Lazard said. And I don't get why Aaron Rodgers is upset. We're going to talk about that later, I think. I don't get why he's upset yeah. that it came out what he said. It's not like he said anything inappropriate. He, he inspired his team. He should be proud of it. You put all that together, and I think the Jets are in a position where they can win some games, they can move up in the rankings, and they can still be a factor. So if Aaron Rodgers does plan to play later this year, maybe there will be games to play. After week 18, Zach Wilson took off his headband and that finally gave him his, his proper powers. I don't know, man. That's, that's one of the only things I can think of. Like, how did this all of a sudden start clicking? I'm happy for him that it did because, yeah, he's taking a lot of heat, but he's also a professional. And sometimes as professionals, that's what you've got to do. You've got to live through it. But can you stack the blocks, right? That's the thing that to me, if... If he goes out there and like he pees down his leg against the Broncos, which I mean is one of the worst defenses I've ever seen through the first four weeks of a season, then we're going to be back at square one, right? So you have to be able to build on that. Let's see him do it this week. Let's see him go win a game and put together four really good quarters as a quarterback. He's not done that before. So let's see it this week, and then maybe we can have a better conversation. Right, and... And this is a key week. I think in many respects, this is the most important game the Jets will play this year because this is the crossroads. Yes. After what happened on Sunday night, because what happened Sunday night is meaningless if they lose to the Broncos. Meaningless. Mm -hmm. Because then they go into the Eagles and then they go into their bye. That means one in five coming out of their bye. And maybe it's over by then. You get to one in five. We still don't quite know because with 17 games, when does the window close? It used to be once you got to five losses, you might already be done and you don't even know it yet. But if you lose another one, there's a good chance you're done. And if you lose one more after that, the only way you're getting in is, you know, if you've got the the always sunny conspiracy mic, you know, all the different, you know, (laughs) go ahead and put it up, all the different. That's the only way you're getting in if you were nine and seven. Now, if you're ten and seven, I don't know. Eleven and six, there it is. That's how you used to have to get in yeah. with nine and seven. We still yeah. don't know when you get to that point. But my 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 more specific point is this. You can go ahead and take it down now. One and five coming out of the bye, you don't have many more you can lose. And you still got some tough games on your schedule. This one is critical. Yes. All right. We mentioned Aaron Rodgers. When we return, we'll have a listen. To some of the things Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, specifically about his desire to get himself healthy and come back and play, not next year, this year. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.